This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on the last day of March, March 31st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Thank you very much, and we'll check in with you at 1223. Let's pick up that conversation about layoffs from Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodities Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Before we pick up the inflation discussion we had at 1021 this morning, jobless claims edging higher to 202,000. That was above analysts' estimates, but still at historic lows. Now, is this a sign that layoffs are picking up, or is this simply a matter of what goes down must go up eventually? No, I think it's a question of just bouncing around and noise. Look, there's 11.3 million jobs open in the United States going unfilled. The jobless claims numbers are tiny compared to what we're seeing on that front. And I believe that we're only going to see that demand for workers continue to hold at a very high level. Uh, And I don't see it changing anytime soon unless we start to see what we call demand destruction, unless we start to see consumers stop spending. um, And it still would take six months to have that very, very large number come down. So overall, I'm not concerned at all about the random noise that goes on in continuing claims. Uh, Let's go back to inflation. Uh, The headline uh, number jumping to 6.4 percent, the fastest pace since uh, January of 1982. Mm -hmm. But uh, once you take uh, food and energy prices out, it's the biggest jump going back to 1983, which was the uh, beginning of a baseball season in which the White Sox clinched the American League West. And uh, (laughs) wouldn't we rather want to let's relive that instead of the uh, inflationary picture. We all know the reasons why inflation is bedeviling us at every turn. It's gas prices. It's the uh, after effects of the virus. It's everybody getting back out and spending their money. Was there some way we could have headed this off uh, before the Fed embarked on this series of interest rate hikes? Yes. The Fed should have started a year ago. And I'm not the only person that's been saying that for a year. Uh, I wrote something back in April saying, hey, Fed, wake up, start to raise rates because inflation is picking up. A lot of other people did, too. The bottom line is, like, if I can see it and some other analysts can see it, why couldn't the Fed do something about it then? They waited and waited and waited to make sure that they've got what they considered to be uh, inclusive employment down to a level that was where they wanted it to be. And they didn't worry too much about inflation. And they were mistaken thinking it was temporary. Now, it's, it's not only is it bad, right, inflation, but they couldn't have anticipated the war in the Ukraine. And that's making all sorts of um, commodity prices jump. Just one I would point out, diesel fuel prices. Now, that's something that impacts the movement of every product that's out there, including food, 
you know, clothes, shoes, you know, electronics and everything. That's up 66% since January. Now, just think about that for a second. That's extraordinary. And that will work its way through the entire economy. So inflation is not going anywhere soon. And the Fed needs to act. That's why people are anticipating them raising rates faster than we what we did just a month ago. Well, thanks for the insight. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Coming up next on this Technology Thursday, another group of tourists blast off on a trip to the edge of space. You're listening to the WB. BM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. Blue Origin has launched its new Shepard space vehicle carrying five passengers on the trip of a lifetime. Let's get the latest now from Peter King, CBS Radio space correspondent and national correspondent. You hear him all the time on News Radio based in Orlando, Florida. Peter, thanks for joining us today. The the latest space race doesn't uh, pit countries, but it's pitting billionaires. This is a uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, the Amazon founder, up against uh, Virgin Galactic and Richard Branson. And uh, what is the uh, the what is the status of the private space race uh, sending tourists up into orbit? Well, there are three uh, decidedly different vehicles. Uh, the uh, Blue Origin vehicle is a capsule that goes up and down in 10 or 11 minutes. Uh, Richard Branson's uh, Virgin Galactic vehicle is a space plane that uh, has a flight that lasts a bit longer and, and flies a parabola, if you will. And uh, then there's SpaceX, which is uh, a traditional orbiting spacecraft, which uh, goes into low Earth orbit and to the International Space Station. So three Three distinctively different systems with uh, three distinctively uh, different kinds of flights. Virgin Galactic currently selling seats for $450,000. That's up from the previous price point of around $250,000. So I guess uh, inflation is hitting everything, including the uh, the, the private uh, space flight business. How, how, at what point, though, uh, will this, uh, this mode of travel uh, be available to the average person of some means? No longer, you're not talking hedge fund billionaires or William Shatner, but somebody who Who's well to do and can afford this type of trip? You know, Rob, if I could tell you that, I could also tell you when the uh, Bears will win the Super Bowl next. I mean, it's anybody's <laughs> guess, and, and it depends on uh, frequency, how frequently they can fly. It depends on whether the technology gets uh, less expensive, all those kinds of things. And, and the Branson price that you quoted, that's the lowest of all of them, because if you uh, look at uh, the Bezos flights, uh, the Blue Origin flights, or SpaceX, I mean, you're talking about people paying uh, $20 million plus for a flight. I mean, nobody is allowed. They all have to sign nine disclosure uh, agreements to say, uh, so they can't say what they pay to fly on uh, Blue Origin or SpaceX. Uh, so Branson's price tag is the only one we really know about. But the uh, informed people tell us that, uh, it, you know, if you want to fly for uh, Virgin Galactic or if you want to fly on uh, Blue Origin, it's uh, $20 million and up. And uh, probably more up than close to the 20. So in other words, uh, Virgin Galactic is the uh, Southwest Airlines of space. <laughs> 
not quite. We don't know if they give out snacks or peanuts, but it is quite the ride. Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, this is the fourth flight for uh, – Blue Origin today, the one that we were talking about, Virgin Galactic has not flown that many flights. So it's interesting that their price point is so low at this point, and their waiting list is very, very long. And by the way, we should mention that next Wednesday uh, is the planned launch date from uh, here in Florida for the first completely privately funded flight to go to the International Space Station on a SpaceX Dragon. You know, it's very interesting, Peter, that uh, these the, a lot of these these ideas are on the drawing board for so long, and you see so many uh, ideas that are uh, presented and eventually uh, fail for a lack of funding or a lack of uh, technological know-how. But uh, private space flight, something that have been talked about for a long time, it's here, it's a fact of life, and it's evolving with uh, shocking speed. Well, you know something, and, and, and people have criticized billionaires for, for uh, being involved in this and all the money that it costs. You know, my feeling is that basically it, it takes dreamers and people who have means and support to be able to do this, and, and it's a pretty incredible thing. I'm pretty sure that uh, anybody who was around back in the Apollo era probably thought that this would be, you know, uh, dozens of years away and much longer. Instead, it comes on the heels of the space shuttle era, and I think it's going to be a growing, growing business. Now, whether it becomes affordable for you and me, that may not happen in our lifetimes, but uh, who knows? Maybe the next generation. It's pretty exciting, and it's a great time, I think, uh, for the space business. Well, thanks for joining us. Peter King, CBS News radio correspondent, covers the space program in Orlando, Florida. Coming up next, an energy industry expert shares his take on President Biden's expected move to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. President Biden is set to order the release of oil from the country's Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Let's examine the move with the help of Stephen Shork, principal and co-founder of the Shork Group based in Villanova, Pennsylvania. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. One million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve every day for the next six months. Uh, Drop in the bucket or will it make a substantial difference in the price of oil? worldwide uh well long term no it's not going to make a a difference uh it is a short-term uh political gimmick uh once again unfortunately the white house is resorting to draining down our rainy day supply of oil and not coincidentally uh that one million barrel drawdown is going to last all the way into the fall i.e right before midterms uh, so what does this mean? Uh, highly likely we'll see one million barrels a day uh, from a structural standpoint. Uh, the SPR is probably at best only capable of delivering a half million barrels a day. So the one million barrel a day is making uh, a, a big splash today. But uh, the concern here going forward is that it does not address the structural uh, deficit in domestic crude oil production. And in fact, uh, putting 
even a half a million barrels a day, is going to discourage uh, future production. So uh, we're really setting ourselves up uh, in the long term for sustained higher prices. Uh, we did get a reaction, a knee-jerk reaction today on the NYMEX on crude oil trading. Uh, we dumped, had a, had a sharp sell-off at about $7 a barrel. Uh, we've recovered about $2 uh, of that uh, with the market trading you know, right around 102.50, 103.00. So uh, the market did have a reaction uh, immediately, but uh, the downward pressure on prices uh, has subsided, uh, at least for the moment. And then very quickly, Stephen, is it possible, too, they're sending a message to uh, OPEC and OPEC Plus uh, to uh, pick up the pace of the uh, recovery of production from two years ago, uh, just to say, look, it, 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 I don't know if you want to call it a shot across the bow or a message, but saying, look, uh, pick up the pace of oil production or uh, we're going to artificially uh, deflate the price of oil to the best of our ability. Right. But let's keep in mind that we've been trying this uh, since November, i.e. releasing oil from the SPR with the intent to lower gasoline prices. And uh, four months into it, gasoline prices are at all time highs. The SPR was not designed, is not capable of lowering gasoline uh, supplies, uh, prices. It's only designed to mitigate a short term disruption. So if you're OPEC, you're, 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 you're happy right now because the U.S. is drawing down its inventories of oil. It's not encouraging domestic production. And certainly, this is not going to encourage OPEC to put more barrels onto the market. OPEC will be very happy. Uh, two years ago, the uh, United States was the biggest oil producer in the world. Today, uh, we've given that, op- um, that advantage away. And in the meantime, we're drawing down our supplies. So no, uh, OPEC is, uh, is not worried about this. Thanks for joining us, Stephen Shork, principal and co-founder of the Shork Group based in Villanova, Pennsylvania. Still ahead, cryptocurrency continues its move into the mainstream. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden will open America's strategic oil reserve in an effort to lower energy prices. A special report coming up from CBS News and Technology Thursday. The growth of cryptocurrency is reflected in a new poll that finds one in five Americans have had dealings with it. And as you get set to pay your taxes, you may want to consider using a credit card. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 175. The Nasdaq is down 67. And the S&P 500 is down 17. 36 degrees right now at O'Hare with light snow. 40 at Midway, 38 at the lakefront. A high today of 40. Could see some rain and drizzle mixed in with some wet snow. It's 1231. CBS News special report. President Biden making moves to help with the price at the pump. CBS's Stephen Portnoy tells us he's set to release a million barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve each day over the next six months. The White House describes this unprecedented release from the Strategic Reserve as a bridge until domestic production ramps up later this year. The move is on top of two prior authorized releases of 80 million barrels of oil since last November. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi gives it the thumbs up. The president released for the next six months increases supply. Supply usually reduces cost. But energy analyst Phil Flynn calls the move political. You know, the strategic petroleum reserve is not to try to manipulate prices. It's supposed to be used to put oil on the market when there's a short-term disruption of supply. 
He says this will only be a short-term solution. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacy Lynn. It's 1232. Markets are in the red this afternoon. We're joined by a Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. It's the last day of the first quarter of 2022. And are the markets just making some moves today to reflect the uh, last day of the quarter? No, a little bit. I think they're looking forward a little bit to the unemployment numbers tomorrow. But I think, you know, when you look at the the markets and everybody focuses on the Dow and the S&P 500 and maybe the NASDAQ, I think the real big move for the quarter has been interest rates. And that's been a lot of Fed driven. We've gone from uh, transitory inflation to we're going to be fighting inflation. And we've had the worst a quarter for the bond market in close to 40 years. And uh, let's looking back on the first quarter, you almost want to say uh, what a year the first uh, three months of the year have been in terms of the uh, sheer number of uh, external factors uh, weighing on both the financial markets and the economy. Uh, the financial markets well documented on this program, but uh, the economy, despite all of these various external factors weighing down on it, seems to lend credence to the Federal Reserve theory that it is strong enough and resilient enough to weather an interest rate hike or three. It should. Uh, the, the issue, though, when we take a look at what typically happens with interest rate hikes, you don't normally see the impact of those rate increases for anywhere between six and nine months. So with the Fed that's increasing rates today, for example, we may not see that impact until toward the end of the year. The other part of this, too, is what are they doing with the balance sheet? And are they reducing the size of their balance sheet? And uh, that so far has not yet come. That's supposed to be in in June. Monetary policy, if you take a look at different financial stresses or stress indexes, still pretty easy. So it's not a surprise that the financial markets have responded. We're only, for the S&P 500, only a few percentage points off of the year-end high. Uh, so, again, the, the financial markets are, are taking their cue from monetary policy. And so far, it's generally been uh, on the easy side. Talking about the Federal Reserve response to various crises, this reminds me in a way of 2010 in reverse, where the uh, initial federal stimulus to uh, uh, reverse the effects of the financial crisis were simply not enough. And so the Fed turned to quantitative easing to uh, try to goose things and bring down the unemployment rate in uh, 2010 and 2011. And then now it's it's fighting that last war. Unemployment is not even a problem anymore. Anymore, but uh, it's fighting inflation. Do those two uh, scenarios line up, even though one may be a mirror image of the other? It's Well, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this plays out, because certainly a lot of the issues around inflation is uh, the very easy monetary policy that we had coming out of the pandemic, as well as the federal government's response to it with the various programs that were uh, put in place. So there was a lot of money during 2020 that was put out into the financial markets and the economy. And so people have responded in kind by spending uh, a fair amount, both on goods and now on services. And it's going to be interesting to see what Powell does and what the Fed does over the next six to nine months. Are they truly going to fight inflation or if the equity markets uh, don't like what's going on and, and maybe go down 10, 15, 20 percent if the Fed takes their cue from the equity markets and maybe backs off here a little bit. So 
it's going to be an interesting interesting view to see if they're looking more like Paul Volcker uh, in the 1980s or maybe uh, uh, Ben Bernanke coming out of the financial crisis in uh, 2008 and nine. Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, tracking the move of crypto into the mainstream. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and the growth of cryptocurrency is reflected in an NBC News poll, which finds one in five Americans has invested in, traded, or otherwise used crypto. We welcome in Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management, based in Glenview. Bill, thanks for joining us today. It's uh, hard not to, uh, to to say that cryptocurrency is still kind of a, a very exclusive scene, especially after uh, the Super Bowl, where seemingly every commercial break was uh, another ad for uh, some cryptocurrency service. Well, I wouldn't say exclusive necessarily, Rob, because cryptocurrency really is available to everyone. But, you know, if this was the 1990s, that NBC poll would say, hey, one in five Americans has used email or only 19 percent of those polled uh, viewed shopping on Amazon positively. I mean, it's just all about perspective. You know, one in five adults actually is a pretty large number. And, you know, in my opinion, it's the younger generation that sets the tone. They're already using Robinhood, eToro, Coinbase, you know, instead of saving, you know, for investment, for retirement, using traditional broker dealers like perhaps United, you know, Fidelity, Schwab, uh, Interactive Brokers. And so we're just seeing this complete shift to everything being available on your phone and even a currency, a cryptocurrency in your investments outside traditional uh outside the traditional industry so i think it's super exciting and when we have this conversation in a few years we're going to look back and say one in five that was incredibly low now it's going to be five in five have some kind of investment in cryptocurrency and it's just a matter of time rob where your vanguard funds your fidelity funds your investment advisor is going to include bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies like we do in every single portfolio it just depends on how much how is this going to change the cryptocurrency marketplace with more people coming into it? Well, I guess it depends. For the word for the for for Bitcoin, if you own Bitcoin outright, there is only about I don't know maybe two million crypto tokens left. The Bitcoin tokens left. So we're going to see that cash market continue to go up, and for Bitcoin to follow its economic uh, commodity forecasting model called the stock to flow ratio. But then there's also going to be tokenization of everything, real estate, art, music, um, radio waves, like everything will be a non-fungible token. Everything will be tokenized so that you can buy and sell a fractional share of an asset. And we're also talking about this happening globally. I mean, maybe one in five Americans is invested in cryptocurrency, but maybe one in 20 overseas and globally have invested in it. So this is once again, we're at the cutting edge, the beginning of an incredible evolution uh, and adoption globally of cryptocurrency. And so we're going to see all those ships rise uh, across the globe. I, it's super exciting to me. Now, with this, uh, this this greater awareness of what cryptocurrency is, and we talk about the investment potential and people uh, putting their money uh, inside uh, cryptocurrencies and talking about uh, the, you know, the this notion of decentralized finance, with this greater degree of attention, uh, that's going to come with some changes. There's going to be increased regulatory pressure, and there's probably going to be 
a little more attention paid to the energy requirements that go into mining a Bitcoin token. Is that going to result in greater innovation in coming up with uh, perhaps uh, greener or, uh, uh, or, or mining methods that have a, a, a smaller carbon footprint? Sure. You know, I, Rob, I think it's really interesting that there's two divergent paradoxical opinions on the energy usage of Bitcoin. And the truth is, Bitcoin, the amount of energy used for Bitcoin is only a rounding error on the global amount of energy that's used. It uses less energy globally than like air fryers. It, it's, it's, in, it's insanely low when you look at the big value proposition that Bitcoin really is. And you're right. Other applications will come down the road and other cryptocurrencies will show their, their head. And, and we're actually seeing truly um, a, a green initiative being moved where methane and uh, gas flaring and uh, different types of solar energy projects are being rolled out. And the only way they can afford to do it is not from government subsidies, but from the fact that they're mining Bitcoin and monetizing the green initiative. So. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. I wouldn't obsess about this perception that the ocean, the world's oceans are going to boil over from this. It's really going to make it um, the green, the green initiative and what we're looking to do to help the planet actually uh, work much better and have a financial incentive rather than economic uh, subsidies. Thanks for joining us, Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management based in Glenview. It's 1248 on WBBM. We're going to go to the White House now and President Joe Biden. Yes. Working with our NATO allies and our European partners and beyond that. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.